This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us and for following Working Like Dogs on Instagram and Facebook. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co-host is my adorable service dog, Lovey. And we're thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today we're going to be visiting with acclaimed poet and author, Rachel Rose. And Rachel's going to come in today to visit with us about her new book, The Dog Lover Unit. Um, So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome Rachel Rose to the show. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Hello, Rachel, and welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just delighted to have a chance to talk to you about my book and about dogs, my favorite subject. (laughs) (laughs) Good. We share that. It's my favorite subject, too. Yeah, we're so excited about, and I I love the title of your book, The Dog Lover Unit, Lessons Encouraged from the World's Canine Cops. So that, what a wonderful title and wonderful, wonderful book that you've created. And I have to say, Rachel, when I was reading about you and your wonderful work, I saw a lot of accolades that you've received for your poetry. So start out by telling us, how did you decide to write a book about these turbocharged police dogs, as you describe them in the book, and their law enforcement handlers? How did that happen? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, it really... It was the last book that I thought I could write, but I was just so drawn to the dogs and I kept hearing stories about the rescues that they would do and, you know, the apprehensions that they did and how valuable they were. And I I really wanted to learn more because all my life, the bond that I've had with my dogs has been one of the most profound in my life. And I thought, what would that be like if you not only have that bond, but you're with your dog 24-7 
and your life depends on that bond. And so I was so curious and so interested, but I was also really scared, you know, to enter that world. And I'm a shy, introverted poet and a mom, and I, you know, it was just way beyond my comfort level. But once I got the idea, I thought, well, I, I can't let this go. I'd love to, you know, read this book, and it's not out there. I'd love to get these stories. And what I love most as a writer is entering worlds that are not like mine and understanding how other people live and think. And so it just kind of stayed with me and, and wouldn't let me go. And step by step, I, I pursued it. Yeah, well, I'm so glad you did. And and I have to say, when I first was reading about you and seeing that you were a poet, and I, I thought about the Jodie Foster movie where she's the Carl Sagan book. I'm forgetting the name of the movie, but in it where she goes to outer space and she says, they should have sent a poet instead of me. And I've always been, <laughs> so I thought about that from that movie and thought about you. And I'm like, how perfect that it's a poet that is writing about the wonderful relationship between these incredible canines and their handlers. So I thought that was perfect when I saw that you were a poet. You're the best person to oh. tell, tell about it. And you actually went out on patrol with some of these teams. Tell oh, us what, you know what that was like. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got addicted to it at first. Oh, I have so much to say. Uh, tell me if I start talking to because I'm so enthusiastic about this subject. Well, um, at first, my big worry was, what the heck are we going to talk about, you know, for 12 hours on a shift? And as I said, I'm kind of shy. I am a poet. and But that worry was completely unfounded because really across the board in whatever country I was in, they have so many stories, stories of trauma, stories of rescue, stories of just crazy things that happen and near escapes and, you know, difficult things. And these stories have no audience, you know, they'll, they'll rescue somebody and then they'll just drive off and do the next thing. And so basically just being, you know, riding shotgun, all I had to do was ask a few questions and listen. And they're just, you know, natural storytellers. And then, of course, I got to train with the dogs and get to know the dogs as individuals. And that was just so amazing and fun and to be in a really different world than my day-to-day life, you know, which involves a lot of driving kids around and making lunches and that sort of thing. And so it was uh, just like freedom for me to be out in their company. And, you know, physically and mentally, I never, never will be able to do what they can do, but this is as close as I could get. Wow, how wonderful yeah. to get to step into that world. Well, what would you say, Rachel, surprised you the most about these teams when you were spending time with them? Well, I, there were a lot of things that were surprising. I guess one was I just had to confront kind of my own stereotypes about who the people were that did this police work. And so that was interesting for me. You know, I didn't I didn't really think about that or where I picked those up. And then just to see, to get to know people as individuals and what they think and their differences. So that was really great. And then I guess some wonderful things were just about how different teams in different countries find their dogs and raise their dogs. And I guess I was surprised also by how, how tender that relationship is. You know, I think a lot of cops because they really see people at their worst and and they really are exposed to so much human suffering and trauma they develop armor and they're really kind of guarded with with the public 
but they can, you know, let down that guard with their dogs. And so they have this deep, deep connection with them where they can just be exactly who they are without judgment. And so that was neat to witness. And really, you know, I get that. I understand that, even though I don't have to have any kind of armor. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's hard to articulate that bond that they have. Like you said, in those crisis situations that they're, they find themselves all the time. And it, it does, it just, that bond and that dependence and trust with each other is just, wow, it, it's hard to articulate that. Yeah, you know, I heard from more than one canine officer that they forget sometimes that their dogs are not human, that they're that <laughs> close. They talk to them and they just I forget. I get that, you know? yep. <laughs> I feel that way about Lovey, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, I bet. Well, you have that, I, maybe that kind of close and constant yep. bond as 24/7. well. 24-7. So it is something that, you know, I really do depend on her for my safety, and it can be life-threatening sometimes. So, not to the extent of canine officers, certainly do not want to act like it. it is. It's a different type of working relationship, but I can only imagine what it is like for them. And I really loved how you covered canine teams in multiple countries and United States, Canada, Britain, France. I was wondering, Rachel, how did you connect with these teams and get the opportunity to talk with them? Well, you know, I had at first it was really hard. And, you know, what cred do I have? First of all, none. You know, I'm a poet and not a journalist. And even if I were a journalist, actually, a lot of units or individual officers are kind of guarded, as I said. So it took a lot of persistence. But then once I was in and once I connected with a few uh, different teams, it got easier and easier. And they actually would help me out once they saw that I was really listening to them and actually genuinely wanted to hear what their experience was like, then they would introduce me to others. And then, you know, to get into the unit in Paris, they were, I do speak French and I'd been there before, but that was quite a challenge. They were so welcoming though, and they they really wanted, um, again, to have their stories out there in the world, to let people know what they do and let people see them. And I think that, you know, most of us want that and would love to have the opportunity to be seen and to share what we know and what we experience. But yeah. especially for for people who are dealing with trauma and violence and, you know, right on the front line, they're the first responders so much of the time. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I love how you really, you address in the book some really difficult topics, Rachel, where you really talk about, you know, what we are hearing and seeing so much in the news these days about negative stories about law enforcement officers. And so I I really appreciated how you did not shy away from that, that you really talk about that in the book and you talk about the negative things and also the very positive, like you said, that people don't really know about and what these officers do and then they go home or they go on to the next case, you know, the next call. So it's pretty amazing. Amazing and how you captured that. So was that challenging? Were you a little worried about that? Yeah, I think it is challenging. And, you know, I don't know what the reception will be. But I think that we tend to want things to be black or white or a simple story. So you're on one side or you're on the other side. And for me, as a, a poet, as a writer, there's more than one side, you know, especially for something like policing. I think you can see 
every aspect of society in policing. You see what happens with people with mental illness, you see what happens around weapons, and you see the best and the worst, and it's all there. And, you know, if you only look at it from one angle, you're really missing how complicated it is. And so I tried to get out of the way of the stories as much as possible and just let them speak, let them tell what they know, and trust my readers to come up with their own conclusions, you know, that people can understand that society is complicated, that we're dealing with a lot of difficult things, and just to listen, you know, to step back and listen. Yeah, and it's our reality right now. Yeah, I really loved how you did that, and you didn't shy away from it. That was really great. How many teams did you interview total? Do you even know? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know I it was a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, some of them, even though they were fantastic, they didn't end up in the book. And to tell you the truth, I got <laughs> kind of addicted to the ride-alongs and just to going out and meeting people and seeing what they did. And I was like, wow, I could keep going. I can, you know, go to Japan. I know they have they have some police dogs that are poodles there, and I'd love to do that. And, you know, Mexico. And I thought, okay, you need to stop. <laughs> you have enough for several books already. And, yeah, I just, I was so interested because, really, there were a number of individual officers who could have written a full book just with what they knew. Yeah, 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 I'm sure. Well, out of all of the teams that that you talked with and worked with, which one or two sticks out the most in your memory? Oh, my gosh. Well, Cade, for sure, he was the first dog that I took a bite from. Um, He was an RCMP dog and really, really strong personality. So he, he had this ability to be totally on and totally aggressive. And you'll see in the book, there's that picture of him with his teeth just scared and he's vicious looking, but he could turn it off just instantly. So he was like, you know, he had an on off switch, a working dog and then not. And uh, he was just this gorgeous, beautiful dog. And I spent a lot of time with him. I probably did more ride alongs with him and, um, and constable Daryl Morris than anybody. So that was pretty neat. And then um, also when I was in Paris, so the dog lover unit is a literal translation of the Brigade Sinophile. That means the dog lover unit in French. And a lot of their dogs are rescue dogs from high kill shelters. And so I got to know them. There was a dog, Jamanti, there, and she was rescued just before she was to be put down. I guess she was about eight months old. And it was just so neat because those were the happiest working dogs I've seen. They were constantly smiling. They were just, they knew, they knew that they'd been given a second chance and they just worked with like cheerful vigor. It was really so neat to see. And uh, I loved spending time with them, even though they were doing really incredibly hard things and up, up against it. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, I know, it's so beautiful to see working dogs in action because they do, they love it, and they're thrilled to do it. They know they're doing a great thing, and that you can tell it. It's all over their face. Like you said, they're smiling, they're excited. Yeah, it's so powerful, powerful to see them in action. You were asking me about uh, surprising things, and I think I'll just say quickly, when I started, I thought, I might feel sorry for police dogs for what they have to face. And in the end, I felt, you know, a little bit more sorry for my 
multi-poo my pet dog because she doesn't really have a job, you know. She she lounges around, and (laughs) so I started doing a little bit of, you know, training with her and just giving her more challenges at home, but I definitely feel like the, the working dogs are lucky, you know. They're out there doing interesting things, and they love it. Yeah, I know. When I'm at home, on you know, and not going out so much, Lovey gets bored, you know, if I'm not giving her work to do and she'll start creating her own work because like you said, you know, they really want to do it and it's who they are and they, they, it's amazing their stamina and how they can really, they want to do it because they know that they're helping and it's, it's what they're all about. Yeah. yeah. So awesome. And it's living up to their potential, right? Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's nice for them to be able to do that, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always say our listeners have heard me say so many times, I think of working dogs as Olympic athletes. And I really do because they are so fit. They are so at the top of their game, you know, and honoring that and letting them do what they do is just so important and so beautiful. That is a wonderful way to put it. And yeah, I think mentally as well as physically, they're at the top of their game because they really have to think things through. And there's this kind of, when the the police dogs are out um, actually after a suspect, they read their handlers. Like I've, I've watched it happen and they know what the situation demands. So yeah, they're really part of this elite team. Olympic yeah. athletes is a great way to put it. Yeah, so impressive. Hey, so we're going to take just a quick break and hear some important messages from our sponsors who we love. And then we're going to come back and dive back in because we have a lot more to talk about, Rachel. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. She was thrown out of a pickup truck. Somebody threw him out of a car and shattered his leg. They found her walking on the streets. Many have been abused malnourished, eating garbage, scabs, itching, licking, missing fur. There's this commercial on TV that the ASPCA does. They want you to send in $19 a month for a dog in the shelter. I think you should go and adopt a dog from the ASPCA and then get that dog on Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. You don't need to spend thousands on vet bills. Their answer is nutrition. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. When you rescue a dog, you've got to feed him right for life. Every rescue deserves at least 90 days of Dynavite. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Dynavite is nutrition. Dynavite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio, and we're visiting today with poet and author Rachel Rose about her new book, The Dog Lover Unit, Lessons in Courage from the World's Canine Cops, and we've just been talking about these amazing animals, and and I love how you wrote in the book, Rachel, that your work as a poet involves speaking out against injustice and oppression, and I just loved that. And was hoping you could tell us, tell our listeners, what do you mean by that? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, it's really always been my value as a writer and a person to speak out against 
those who really can't, whether it's victims of a crime or or abuse or, you know, there are so many ways that we can be hurt or that we can hurt each other. And so I've always wanted to do that. And for me, I was a bit afraid what it would mean to be in the company of K-19, who are really the first responders to many violent incidents and who see victims, you know, the worst day of their lives. And I was so moved by, for the officers that I met and that I got to know, they have such a strong sense of justice and injustice and and right and wrong. And the cases that they can't solve, they, they are haunted by them. They, you know, think about them again and again. They carry them with them, as I know many many of the victims do as well. And so I, I, I wasn't expecting to find that commonality or that shared sense of injustice and fighting against it. And that was really healing for me and important for me. Oh, that's wonderful. I know that is something. I mean, you know, because they're experiencing such intense things. And, and I'm sure, as you said, it stays with them. And they're haunted by those things and, and want to, you know, we hear of stories where, you know, these cold cases where officers come back decades later and are still haunted by a case and, and trying to solve it. And how they do that with their canines is just so incredible. And you're doing a lot of work with other dog programs like courthouse dogs. Is that something that you're working with, Rachel? Yeah, well, you know, as I was writing the book, I interviewed victim services here at the RCMP, and then I got interested because, of course, as I said, the cops are the the first responders there, and I got interested in an organization here called PADS, the Pacific Assistance Dogs, and they train dogs for victim services and court dogs, so when a person has to testify in court or when a child, you know, they have to gather forensic evidence, the dogs are right there with them and supporting them through this really very difficult time. And so as I've, I just did the training for PADS and I just went to their graduation and not only do they do those victim services dogs, they also do dogs for people with disabilities. So they train them for people in the deaf community or people in wheelchairs and, oh, yeah. I can't tell you. We were just <laughs> sobbing. There were hundreds of people in the uh, in the theater, and all the pups were graduating and going on yeah. stage and meeting the people that they'd work with. You know, you understand this better than almost anyone, I'm sure. But these beautiful labs and retrievers, and I know they'll they'll just make such a difference in people's lives. And and they work with uh, kids with autism too in families, and it's the best thing in the world. You know, to yeah. see what they're capable of, and also to see that we've moved forward as a society and we're doing more to support victims and we're doing more to support children with special needs. And, um, you know, I think the role for working dogs is growing, whether it's in the police units or in the schools. It's just a huge untapped resource, and we're just beginning I agree. I I think we're at the tip of the iceberg at what dogs really can do and what we can do together as partners with dogs. And I just want to say we love the PADS program. It's an awesome program and love courthouse dogs. And you're so right. That is just really is starting to take off where there are a lot of, of dogs are becoming more common in courthouses throughout the country. And the agency that Lovey was trained from, they actually are very active 
active in the courthouse dog movement and also train. And I just love to watch those dogs in action in the courthouses. It's so impressive. Like you said, how they go through the forensic interviews with children and how they're with them through the whole process as a support. And it is it is so moving to see that and how much support they can be for children in that horrible, horrible situation that they're having to deal with. Yeah, so beautiful. So what are you doing with PADS? You said you finished their volunteer training. What's your role going to be? Oh, my gosh. Well, when I first approached them, I said, I want to give back. So I'm giving 5% of my profits from the book to PADS, and I hope that it will buy them at least one uh, victim services dog or court dog or any dog, you know, that can help people. And So that's my first goal. But then I started thinking, well, I want to do more than that and just spend more time with their dogs. And so I'm looking at how I can best do that and whether it will be, you know, raising a puppy after I'm finished touring the book because I have to be able to be home or um, doing some social media and other related work with them and for them. But I am so glad that organizations like PADS exist. You know, they make... Boy, that's so true. In the world for people. Yes, they do. They do. They change so many lives. And there are other unsung heroes like the canine officers that do so much and, and behind the scenes that rarely get the attention that they deserve for that. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you're finding all kinds of, and I'm sure PADS will definitely find ways for you to work with them and volunteer with them. So that's so great. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's going to be the beginning of a a wonderful relationship. It sounds like it. Yeah. Well, you wrote in the book that, and I thought this, again, sounded like a poet. It's so beautiful. You wrote in the book that you went to the dog seeking courage. And that that's how you approached this project. Can you share with us about how you found that courage, Rachel, after spending time with these incredible teams? Uh, Yeah, you know, I would love to share that because I think that other people can also benefit from what I learned. So I'm not going to speak in detail about it, but I also was a, a victim, a child victim, and that sort of came up. As I again, as I was going through the ride-alongs and seeing uh, what the officers see, and you know, I was also at a point in my life where I felt a little bit stuck. I was, you know, three young kids. I was taking care of them all the time. I was just on this treadmill and really kind of anxious and not not living the life that I wanted to live and not really sure how to change it. And so when I went to Alberta to Innisfail and watched the new recruits who had maybe worked for five, six, seven years just to get in there, you know, and then 180 days where they had to work with their new dogs and learn everything they needed to know to become RCMP police dog handlers. And I just saw that kind of grit and courage. So they had these long-term goals way down the road, years away, and then these short-term goals. Every day, they would train the dogs, they'd go out, they'd take bites from the dogs, they would just work and follow their dreams. And for me, it was incredibly helpful and inspiring to be around people who had that kind of grit, you know, that pure grit that I am going to pursue my dreams and I'm not going to be stopped. Obstacles are going to be thrown in my path, but I will figure out how to overcome them. And they did that when, you know, they were having issues with the young dogs in training 
and they have to look within themselves often like, okay, so why am I not able to communicate with my dog in the way I want? And so there were a lot of chances for them to give up and they didn't, you know, they would push through and to be around that kind of energy just shifted the way I dealt with failure and adversity in my own life. And it was just amazing. (laughs) And it was also interesting because I had to do something harder to sort of get out of that rut I was in. I had to do something really totally beyond my comfort level and outside my normal experience. And so I think that was the takeaway for me. If you're really stuck, don't keep doing what you have been doing that isn't working, but really make a big shift and do something harder that's very, very different. And uh, I was able to do that in the company of these teams and traveling that's around the world to meet them. That's a huge life lesson. I mean, that really is. That's huge. That's talk about an aha moment. That's really, <laughs> yeah, that's really impactful. And I can only imagine how awe-inspiring it was to be around that kind of determination, that sheer determination day was. after day. Yeah, it really um, made me think, as I said, differently about how I face obstacles. And you see people who... I mean, even with the way they look at uh, unsolved crimes, they just, they're like their dogs. They're tenacious. They keep following the track. The, okay, you hit a dead end, but you don't give up. You're going to find another way. You're going to, you know, keep it in mind, keep turning it over. And yeah, it was absolutely a life lesson. <laughs> wow. Well, Rachel, I can't thank you enough for writing this book and for being with us to share it with us because it's so beautiful. I mean, your words, the way you have described the work that's being done, the relationships between the officers and their canines, it's just, it's beautiful. And thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And and I hope all of our listeners will get their copy and read it. And I'm guessing, can they just, how can they get it, Rachel? How can they get a copy? Well, it launches next week, October 10th, and you can get it um, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, uh, your local bookstore, really anywhere. And yes, I hope that it will do well enough to get a few dogs for pads, service dogs for pads. And I, I just am so grateful to you for giving me a chance to talk about the book and, and so grateful also to the officers who opened up and shared the realities of their lives with me. Yeah, we it definitely want honor them. Absolutely. Every day it does. Absolutely. And we're reminded of that as we turn on the news each day of how oh important they are to us. Yes, yes. So definitely a big honor to them and to you. Thank you so much, Rachel. Really appreciate oh, thank it. Thank you. Well, I really hope I'll have a chance to meet you and and uh, your dog in person. Yeah, she sounds like a real hero, lovey. Yeah, she is. She's a cutie pie. <laughs> and we and you'll have to come back and tell us about your work with pads. We would love to hear that. I would love to. I would love to do that. Okay, we'll hold you to that. Okay. Well, thanks, Rachel. And thank you, our listeners, for being with us. Um, We love spending this time with you and talking about working dogs and working animals. And we also love hearing from you. So please keep your emails coming. And you can email me at Marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E, at PetLifeRadio.com. We also love staying connected with you through 
Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You know, you can find Working Like Dogs there. And we love seeing your photos of your working dogs and hearing about all the incredible work that they're doing with you every day. So thanks so much for being with us. And we look forward to being with you again soon. Take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.